0: it is supported by the vision of the Mark Foundation Institute for Integrated Cancer Medicine. MFICM research uses cutting-edge analytics to maximise the use of diverse high-volume data sets and by capturing cancer heterogeneity in time and space in patients receiving active treatment. Integrated Cancer Medicine aims to transform the way the world treats cancer by affecting patients along their treatment pathway and ultimately accelerate cures. with me Dr Sarah Welsh and Mr Tom Mitchell to talk about their translational research and how it has helped to determine cancer genetics in renal cancer. Sarah Welsh is a clinical consultant in the department of oncology at the University of Cambridge specialising in neurological malignancies. Tom Mitchell is a clinical scientist fellow at the Wellcome-Sanger Institute specialising in understanding how kidney tumours initiate, evolve and evade treatment. He is also a consultant urologist at Edinburgh's Hospital. So to start with, can I get both of you to tell me what your roles are and describe a typical day? Sarah, shall we start with you? Yeah, sure. So I'm Sarah Walsh. I'm a medical oncologist
1: at Addenbrookes. And as um, Ellie said, I treat kidney cancer. I also treat um, melanoma. And I spend 50% of my time working for Addenbrookes and 50% of my time working for the University of Cambridge. And as part of that, I co-lead the Urological Malignancy Programme. Um, And I also run my own research programme focused around creating new models for kidney cancer. I also lead the translational aspects of a whole platform of trials around renal cancer so that we can use those samples to find out the best way to treat patients and improve outcomes in kidney cancer specifically. I don't think I have a typical day. (laughs) My typical week of being in clinic for, for two and a half days in direct clinical care, attending multidisciplinary team meetings. And the other 50% of my week, which tends to be intermingled with my clinical work as well, is treating patients on trials. It's leading um, some of the research, lots of meetings about how best to use our samples and what results are coming back from the analysis from the lab and how we can kind of integrate them together to essentially answer the key clinical questions with patient samples and answer the basic
0: science questions as well. Thanks great. Tom tell us about your day or your week.
2: I guess similar to Sarah I don't really have a typical day. I'm fortunate to be funded by both Cancer Research UK and the Royal College of Surgeons and that that enables me to split my time between my clinical work uh, where I specialise in the surgical treatment of patients with kidney cancer at Adam Brooks Hospital. And then the rest of my time, I'm at the Wellcome Sanger Institute where I'm trying to understand how these kidney tumors start off, how they grow, and how eventually they may evade treatment in the future. I have a regular clinic at the hospital. I also have a regular operating list that's every other week. And my research really uses genomic approaches to better understand and to treat kidney cancers and I do this through supervision of my own research group but also through multiple collaborations with groups not only within Cambridge but also elsewhere in the UK. You're far-reaching. Exactly.
0: So Sarah can you tell us how your research collaboration with Tom began? Yeah, sure. So so Tom and I have known each other since medical
1: school, it's a very small world, and we've kept in touch since medical school, but we really didn't start our scientific and research collaboration until we both ended up in Cambridge, and both ended up treating kidney cancer. It's been amazing to work together. On that theme. And these days, really, our collaboration is around those kind of translational trials. I'm the the chief investigator of this one of our key research studies, which is the artist research study. And that really has allowed us very broad ethics to collect samples from a range of different kidney cancer patients, right from patients who have a genetic predisposition towards developing kidney cancer, all the way through to patients who have localised kidney cancer, and Tom is removing their kidney mass, and we get samples from them, all the way through to patients with metastatic disease. And so really, that research study has has allowed us to really collaborate around the samples, and and also a number of our other clinical studies, which Tom and I also collaborate with for analysing the patient samples for trials like the WIRE trial where patients receive some treatment for their kidney cancer and we're trying to really understand how those drugs work in patients, some of the drugs we've never tested in kidney cancer before. We have good scientific rationale that's come from the labs in Cambridge that said that those would be good drugs to try in kidney cancer. And then with Tom, we try and work out, actually, are those drugs working how we think they are? And actually, how can we make them better? Or how can we select the best patient for the best drug? So that's kind of how our collaboration has evolved. I don't know if Tom has anything extra to add to that.
2: No that's pretty thorough thank you Sarah.
0: So you're really using your expertise to personalise treatment for patients in other words? Yeah and not
1: just I think people think about personalisation of cancer treatment being based on response but what we're also very aware of and this is where I suppose our clinical expertise comes in both for systemic therapies and for surgery it has its side effects and it has impacts on patients' qualities of life and it's that so it's not only looking at the response to a particular treatment but also trying to spare patients from toxicity um, and can we improve that so that's another key aim of of our research. Yeah of
0: course. Tom can I ask you to tell us why is sampling and translational research so important in enabling you to determine the basics of kidney cancer genetics?
2: I think the importance Is from the fact that all of the different kidney cancer subtypes are really defined by their genetics and that will define how the tumors behave, how they might respond, what the outcomes are for each individual patient and there's also the risk of inherited disease and it's important for those five or so percent of patients who have kidney cancers, who come through our clinics who might have the risk of inherited disease, it's important that we can pick that up and counsel those patients. And through these studies that we've done so far, through the tissue sampling and sequencing, we've also managed to infer lots of important fundamental findings in terms of how and when the tumours have started, when the the initiated genomic hit might have occurred and precisely what that is. We've also worked out which particular cell has changed from being a normal cell type through to forming the tumour many, many years later. We've also been able to closely look at all of the other different cells that comprise this quite complex tumour microenvironment. And we've started to unpick exactly what each different cell type is doing to understand which are being pro-tumorogenic, which are fighting against the tumour and so on. And through understanding these interactions, we've got a much better idea of working out exactly how the tumours are growing. And, and over time, we hope to be able to target that if we know how they're growing. We can look at the important interactions, which if we can block, we may be able to then prevent growth and help those patients.
0: That's so interesting. So you're looking at the whole picture of a disease and a tumour, not just one particular aspect, but bringing in so many different data points.
2: Exactly. In the past, we would focus mainly on exactly what the tumour genomes are doing. Now, more and more, we want to focus on not only the tumour genomes, the genetics, of the tumour cells, but also the genetics and the function of all of the different cell types within the tumour microenvironment. And there may be 5, 10, 20 different cell types in there. So it's important for us to understand exactly what all of those different types are doing.
0: Thanks. Can I ask, why is this particularly useful in renal cancer? And what challenges does this type of cancer present in terms of diagnosis and in treatment? Yeah, sure. So so kidney
1: cancer is fairly unique. It's not like something like melanoma, where you have a kind of BRAF gene that's driving a large portion of those tumour types. What we've known for years and years is that kidney cancer, well, about 80%, but actually up to 95%, if you consider epigenetics as well, of the most common type of kidney cancer, which is called clear cell kidney cancer. We know that up to 95% of them are driven by the VHL gene. And actually, we've been using a somewhat of a targeted therapy towards that for years in terms of these small molecule inhibitors targeting the VEGF pathway, which we know is key in kidney cancer. But actually, we know that still a large proportion of the patients don't survive five years, particularly in the metastatic disease front. And what has become clear is that there really aren't perhaps clear genetic drivers in terms of things that we can actually target. So from a systemic therapy point of view, I'm kind of interested in looking and finding signatures of who is going to respond to the particular drugs or can we choose which particular drug is more likely to work. But actually in kidney cancer, unlike many of the other tumours, We're not probably going to find that within the DNA. And what we've realised is that we're looking in the RNA. And Tom's work using single cell RNA-seq and some of his really novel techniques have really allowed us to explore that. And actually where we're now heading with kidney cancer is actually really basing perhaps treatment and follow up on the RNA signatures that are within the tumours. And that those RNA signatures, as Tom alluded to, are not just driven by the tumour cells themselves, but also by all of those other cells which are within the microenvironment And also, what's the impact or the influence of the actual patients and their genetics and also things like the microbiome and all of those other things that can feed into it. So it's quite complex in kidney cancer and there hasn't been an easy answer. And so really, that's why kidney cancer has presented issues to us, but is why it's so interesting.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And for the listeners and for me, can you just explain the difference between DNA and RNA?
2: So... The DNA is the genetic information that's encoded into each of our cells. It's the book by which the cellular function has been written. The RNA equates to what the cell does with that information, so which genes and what the function or what each cell-specific function is. And that's related to the DNA, but it's also related to the History of that cell and the environment it's been put under.
0: Okay, that's really great explanation. Was that helpful? Yeah, really that was helpful. So much better than I would have answered it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom. And if I can throw the question out to you, why is this particularly useful in the treatment arena of cancer, and what challenges does this type of cancer present?
2: So I would I would extend what Sarah said, but also I'm interested in as a surgeon in the patients who undergo surgery, obviously. And who should undergo surgery? We see lots of patients who have small renal masses. These are kidney tumours that are less than three centimetres in size. And it's hard to predict who has a small renal mass, who's going to have a problem with that. In the future, which of those are going to grow and which of those in five or 10 years time are going to be problematic and therefore which ones we need to operate on. We often see them in patients, particularly in their 70s and 80s and sometimes 90s. And it's clear that we don't need to operate on all of these tumours. We don't need to treat them all. But some we really do need to. And if we could have a better way of predicting response, then we could have a a much more accurate personalised medicine.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, of course. Can I ask? So, you've mentioned a couple of trials already. Have you treated any patients in real time, or is this all still in the research setting? So,
1: some of our our studies are research studies, and as such, really are focused on collecting the actual samples from patients and using them to inform the research and and vice versa. But we have got an ICM trial called the WIRE trial, which I've mentioned before, which, which is a window of opportunity trial, and that uses drugs that we have identified from. The research setting, based on the, the genomics of the tumours that have been looked at, particularly work that came from Athena and Matikido with mouse models, genetic models of kidney cancer. And out of that, that identified that kidney cancer, unlike what we might have expected actually from looking at just the DNA, it shows high levels of genomic instability and actually inhibitors which inhibit the DNA damage repair pathways we think may be helpful. And so actually that trial is ongoing and we're testing those DNA damage response inhibitors in combination with these VEGF, tyrosine kinase inhibitors that we've used for, for a number of years. And we're trying, as well as with immunotherapy, which targets obviously those immune cells, those other cells in the microenvironment of the tumour that we think are also important. So although we're not selecting patients specifically based on a particular genomic criteria at the present time, certainly the research um, and the basic science has influenced our choice of what inhibitors we put into the clinic. The other thing is now that what we're setting up is a different trial to extend that work. And that will be based on actually the RNA molecular signature that have been identified but that's all in setup at the moment it's very exciting and, and as with all clinical trials you have to go through all the the funding and the ethics so really we're sort of on the cusp of using that precious research to have a direct impact on patients
0: and so my next question would be then do you see this becoming standard of care across the board for renal cancer
1: I would hope so. At the moment, literally, we're in the middle of analysing that data and the translational samples. So if, for example, we take the WIRE trial, patients had their tumours and their blood and urine sampled before they started treatment during the time that they were on the drugs and then from the point where Tom and his surgical colleagues will remove the mass we get masses of tissue from that and so one part of that is seeing a whether the drugs actually work in kidney cancer patients that'll be one of the questions and what we hope to do at that point is if they do look like they're working as we think they should be working in kidney cancer and they're doing on the cellular level what we think they should be then we can take those molecules forward to larger clinical trials so So I think it wouldn't be going directly into standard care, but certainly it's to identify suitable drugs so that you can speed the pathway up. Because otherwise, we actually have a, a nice problem within kidney cancer in that we've actually got too many different drugs to test at the moment. And actually, we can't take all of those forward into large, very expensive clinical trials. So actually, what we want to do is only take the best inhibitors forward and take the best candidates so that we can hopefully improve Patient outcomes rather than just throwing all sorts of drugs in there. We want to really be a bit clever about selecting the drugs for future trials, and that's just what WIRE will do.
0: That's excellent. And Tom, can I ask you what impact do you think will this have on patient treatment outcomes?
2: I foresee its use in being able to quickly and accurately tell exactly what the cancer subtype is, but also be able to more finally determine the patient-specific prognosis and treatment stratification. And so in this framework, we can use it as a trial platform to test the best possible medication based on the previous research, but also to refine that and in a clinical trial platform actually test what we thought was the best drug against perhaps what research evidence we have that may then be something which could add benefit to our patients. I'm not sure, Sarah, if you've got any additional thoughts for this.
1: I think that's true I think that's what it's all about and also trying to expand this to going earlier in the patient pathway isn't it it's can we also extend this to pick up Patients earlier, and can we identify people who are higher risk of developing a kidney cancer, follow them up so that we pick up any kidney cancers as early as possible? Because what we know about kidney cancer is that we can certainly, it's very curable if we catch it early enough. And I think that's another area that we're trying to look into as well. And and again, using all those clinical samples and going earlier in the
0: patient pathway. Can I ask you both what are the next steps of your research? Tom, we start with you.
2: Yes. So we've found a number of important interactions that appear to be driving growth in established tumours. And what I'd really like to do is look further back in time and to to work out exactly when these different interactions started and look at exactly when the tumour started its life as a tumour and try and work out exactly if we can prevent the tumours from forming if we can do anything to alter, say, the life history of these tumours, such that in the future we can change the burden of kidney cancer in our population and thereby understanding the natural history better so we can be confident about screening approaches, we can be confident about the things that we can change through early detection.
0: Sarah, can I ask you the same question? What are your next steps?
1: Yeah, so so I sort of touched on it a little bit and it's really trying to use that information about the tumour, its microenvironment, about optimising the treatment actually within localised kidney cancer settings so that we can prevent metastatic disease. I'd really like to put myself out of a job in the metastatic disease setting so that we're picking up patient's disease earlier so we don't see patients with incurable disease and we're treating those patients who've got smaller kidney tumours better so that they don't present two years after their surgery with metastatic disease so that's where I'm heading with our next steps and the genomics and the collaboration with Tom will be essential for that
0: it makes sense I love the idea that you want to put yourself out of a job that's excellent (laughs) (laughs) how has the pandemic impacted your ability to do this research Sarah can I start with you In the immediate setting, of course, we're both clinicians. The clinical
1: service suffered a huge impact as a result of COVID. And as a result of that, I did go back 100% clinical. But I think that there have been positives that have come out of the pandemic, particularly around focusing on the, on the patient and delivering care that's easier for the patient. Use of technology has expanded astronomically. It's made us change, actually, within the clinical setting, which I think can only be a good thing, because using electronic questionnaires for patients, pulling that into the, to the electronic records and integrating all of the clinical data together in one place has been helpful. And I think it's it actually can widen the net for research and for trials and things.
0: So I think it's not all been bad. And Tom, can I ask you the same question? Any impact from the pandemic on your research or your work in general?
2: Well, it certainly slowed things down, I think, as it has for all of us. And that's not only in terms of acquisition of samples and sequencing capability, but of course, all of our major funders have suffered hugely through the loss of income streams. Unfortunately, I think we're still yet to see the impact of lots of that. As Sarah says, it's nice to look on the bright side and the use of IT better and remote consultations helped reflect on what we have been doing in the past and what we want to do in the future may help a small amount but I think in the end we have been affected by this and I think we probably have been slowed down by at least a year.
0: Mm, That's interesting. Where do you see, so we've talked a little bit about your next research steps in the immediate future, where do you see your research taking you in the next sort of five to ten years? Sarah do you want to go first? Yes, I would love
1: to be in in five to 10 years, be using these RNA signatures and in addition to RNA signatures, actually be able to use more information about the tumour microenvironment and perhaps factors that are um, specific to each patient, as well as all the clinical factors that we currently use to choose which patient should have which treatment and which that best drug is for that patient or what's the best management strategy I'd like to be able to say in five to 10 years, we're integrating all that together and that we really have a functional integrated decision tool for doing that so that we can really improve the patient pathway. And that also includes perhaps not treating patients. If actually that's not going to be the best thing for them, actually, and if their tumour is, is not going to cause them a problem in the long term, then that's really useful information too. So I hope that it will be much more of an individualised treatment pathway for a particular patient and that actually we, we improve their quality of life as a result.
0: Thanks. And Tom?
2: Yeah, that's a difficult question to answer. I'm interested in the fundamental science of these tumours. I'm interested in understanding exactly what is causing them to behave as they do, as they have done, and and seeing if we can therefore predict what's going to happen in the future, but also work out how we can stop them forming, stop them being a nuisance, stop them being lethal in the future. The idea of using the trials platform and the treatments to understand the tumour, is a compelling one. So it'd be fascinating to use all these samples pre and post treatment, see how the drugs have changed, how they behave, and therefore understand the tumours better through that, I think will be the next major milestone I'm looking to, to achieve.
0: Thank you. And my final question really is, where do you see integrated cancer medicine taking us in the next five to 10 years? What would you like to see happen? I think it's absolutely critical for my goals
1: to be able to individualize treatment and treatment plans for patients. I'd really like to see that all of those different data sources, all of the genomics, all the RNA, all of the histology, all of the clinical data and the imaging as well, I think will be really important to integrate together. And I think ICM can really help us do that and really drive that forward. Because I think that's what we need is a bigger picture of the patient in order to be able to optimise our treatment for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Tom?
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I think the key for me is to have this real time assessment of the patient's risk and their response and to tie together all of these things that Sarah has been talking about, including molecular imaging, liquid biopsies, the molecular studies on tissue sampling, And to use that to give an ongoing, truly personalised strategy for our patients with kidney cancer.
0: It's an exciting prospect. It is. It just remains to me to say thank you very much to both of you for such an interesting conversation this afternoon. I really enjoyed hearing about your work and research. Thank you very much. Thank you.
2: Great, thank you.
0: find out more about the work of the Mark Foundation Institute for Integrated Cancer Medicine, please visit our website at www.integratedcancermedicine.org where you can find details of the ICM vision, all the current research, clinical trials, resources, publications and team information. You can keep up to date with our latest news and events and you can also sign up for our newsletter. If you would like more information about the work of the CRUK Cambridge Centre, please go to www.criukcambridgecentre.org.uk or you can connect with us on Twitter using our handle at CIUK Centre. Thanks for listening and do join us again soon.